Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. What's happening, everybody? It's Eric J. Olson for another live edition of the Managing Partners Podcast. And today, all the way from Portland, Oregon, I have Andrew Spock, who is already having one of those days. Now, here in Virginia, it's 12.35 p.m., which means for him, it's 9.35. And uh, you know what happens when you have one of those days. But hopefully, his day is going to improve because he is our next guest on the Managing Partners Podcast. What's up, Andrew? Hey there, Eric. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So is everything cool now? We're, yes, we're good? we got this. It's all neatly scheduled. It's all good. <laughs> I love it. Now it's kind of a, a pre-planned thing for you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you. Hey, uh, great like backdrop there. What what are we looking at? Is this downtown um, Portland? Yeah, I'm right downtown. That's the West Hills. So about an hour that way is the Oregon coastline. And about an hour east is Mount Hood, uh, which is sort of the way that I'm facing right here. So kind of halfway between those two destinations. Very nice. Very nice. Well, cool, man. Hey, I appreciate your time. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what your firm does. Absolutely. Well, my name is Andrew Schrock. I'm an employment lawyer, do advice and litigation work, mainly representing management and everything. I basically call it drama in the workplace, discrimination, harassment, retaliation, but everything that comes up between an employer and employee, uh, classification issues, pay issues, you name it. And uh, I work at a boutique labor and employment firm. We have about 24 attorneys total. And all we do is labor, employment, and benefits. So very specialized uh, place. We're just take up one floor of a building in downtown Portland. We only have one office. And so we we really like how much we're specialized and we are very niche, but very strong group uh, size-wise for being such a specialty team. So in, employment law, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing every once in a while there's drama in the workplace. Yeah, every once in a while. And and I'm, I'm also guessing that over the course of the last year to year and a half, like it's been quite interesting for you, has it? Absolutely. That's exactly right. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was businesses having to abruptly shut down. And what does that mean for how they deal with their employees and their workforce and the orders and the vendors? While we were shut down for much longer than expected, businesses had to think about, well, do we need to shut down entirely? Do we actually have to fully lay off some people who were just sort of on leave for a period of time? And now we're in the happier part, which is uh, trying to reconcile CDC guidance with state guidance about masks and vaccination and basically how to pave the way for a safe return yeah. to the office. Actually, that, that is interesting. That, that came up recently um, here uh, for my company. So everyone, you know, most people are working remote. I'm in the office, but uh, we were wondering like, uh, do people like have to get vaccinated generally speaking to come back to the office? Is that kind of like at the discretion of the employer? That is a hot question right now. And the short answer is most people think that you can say you need to get vaccinated so long as you have exceptions available for people who either have health objections, like they would have a serious allergic reaction to a vaccination or else a religious except, uh, objection to getting a vaccination. Uh, there's this small argument that uh, the only reason why these vaccines are actually on the market now is it's called an emergency use authorization. Basically, the FDA accelerated what they did uh, to get it on the market faster. And part of that uh, EUA says um, you cannot force someone to get this vaccine because it's been accelerated and it hasn't gone mm -hmm. through the full process. So right now, we're actually in this spot where technically there's an argument that someone could say, this isn't even authorized for full use. You can't force me to get it. 
and threatened to fire me if I don't. But uh, I've heard that it's expected to get full authorization this summer. So that'll probably take the final argument off the table for being able to have a mandatory vaccine policy if you want to have one. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, I've heard people just that I know mention that it's not FDA approved. And I think that's kind of interesting considering over 100 million Americans have been vaccinated to this point. But I, I had not heard of that. And that's kind of like the the reason for like why why they don't want to get vaccinated. But right. I hadn't I hadn't heard of that being a reason for uh, you know having to do anything with employment or whether employees get the vaccine or not. Most of them are just really encouraging vaccination, maybe even incentivizing by saying, "Hey, you know, you can take paid leave to go get it." You know, uh, and some people are even doing kind of other forms of incentives to get the vaccine. But very few are actually doing a hard mandatory. There's a couple higher ed institutions in the state here that are making that move, basically saying if you want to come back to campus as a college student, you need to be vaccinated. Interesting. We have a question here from Adam Williams. Did you uh, did you do other types of law before moving to niching to uh, to a specific well to specific law, but employment law? If so, what kind? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm a K through JD. Uh, so and I thought I wanted to do constitutional law. I thought constitutional law was super interesting, sort of how the how the country operates. And so in undergrad, I was a poli sci major and I studied constitutional law and. And then when I went to law school, uh, you know, a lot of it was just the Commerce Clause. I just, there was a lot about uh, constitutional law that I didn't end up liking or didn't feel like it clicked with me. So I sort of took a step back and took a wide range of classes in a lot of different areas in law school. And employment one, employment law was one that I didn't expect to be uh, so interesting. But, you know, it really is people oriented. You know, it's about not just what does the law say about what you can and can't do, but, you know, so much about what's not against the law uh, in the workplace is what makes someone feel uncomfortable or harmed or offended or no longer welcome. And so it's a fine line about did you break the law versus, you know, did you make someone feel like they're not welcome or not happy here? So it's an interesting kind of sociology meets law area for me. And so by the time, so once I took that class, I thought it was very interesting. So I took a couple other classes in that area. And by the time I graduated, I was really just looking for uh, workplaces where I could focus on it. So I would say I knew pretty soon, I had a lot of friends who kind of ended up at a law firm based on where they had need, uh, as opposed to what law they wanted to practice. Mm -hmm. But I sort of sought out a firm that was doing the type of law that I thought was interesting in law school. It makes a lot of sense. That's smart too. Yeah. Um, versus just kind of like happening into a law firm or a practice area you actually had a plan going in that's that's nice and smart cool so let, let's talk about maybe like some trends that you're seeing maybe specifically in in the in, in employment law and in in the workforce uh certainly you know i, I would imagine remote work is pretty hot a hot mm -hmm. topic for you these days and uh, how that's going to continue or not continue at individual companies yeah you know, I, I think this would be interesting for any other managing partner because well, you, you probably have lawyers and employees that are on staff. Uh, if you're if you're watching, and, and and this is something you need to be aware of. So, yeah, what what kind of trends are you seeing as far as like the remote work goes and everything else that has to do with employment law these days? Yeah, the remote work. I mean, it's been fascinating. As lawyers, we're frankly pretty privileged. Most of us have been able to practice relatively effectively remotely, as compared to a lot of other professions. Uh, I do know certain areas of the law. You know, for instance, family law. Certain areas where they really rely on trial practice for a lot of their work and income, you know, they, they have had some struggles in some cases. But, you know, in terms of kind of trends, I would say that that remote work is probably the biggest one that we're all looking at, right? Because in many ways, the pandemic accelerated it. 
we all knew that there was going to be more demand for this. And frankly, we all had some people who were doing maybe flexible schedules or something like that. But all of a sudden, everyone was forced to basically go 100% remote to the extent possible. Mm -hmm. And the, the analysis is totally different now in terms of saying, hey, we want you to come back. It's safe. Because number one, everyone's got a different definition of what is safe. Uh, and number two, uh, a lot of people gotten really comfortable at home and have questions about, well, why do I need to? And, you know, depending on where you live, uh, tax questions about, you know, what city and county you live in versus work in. And would it be cheaper for me to work from home? I mean, we're right near the border of Washington where there's no income tax. So if you live and work in Washington and don't set foot in your Portland office, you save, you know, a fair amount in state income taxes for that time worked over there. So uh, on top of that, you know, there's all these uh, adaptions to kind of new life, you know, with shortened school days, people having to work with kids and sort of cover for them more than they had in the past. There's been a lot of uh, moving parts, and I think it's going to be hard. To your point, uh, there are a lot of culture-driven firms, and our firm is very culture-driven. And I think we've done our best to stay connected without being pesky in terms of our mm -hmm. staff and associates and partners. Uh, but we're really looking forward to having people back because, you know, we'll have a lunch where everyone sits around our big conference room table and catches yeah. up and talks about stuff. And we just haven't been able to have that same type of connection during Zoom. Totally agree. Yeah, we used to do company lunch. Uh, we, we've been doing that for many, many years. So just every two weeks we go out and the company pays for it. And it's just a nice bonding opportunity. Yeah. Uh, just kind of hang out. And then we stopped doing that at the beginning of the pandemic. And then maybe like four or five months ago, we realized, well, hey, we could actually do this outside. And so we just started to go to restaurants at first where there was outdoor seating and everyone felt comfortable. And now it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of we go wherever we want to at this point. Like, yeah. certainly it seems like people are kind of letting their guard down. Actually, that's an interesting maybe maybe topic that, that you've had some exposure to. So if, um if well, how about like the liability for businesses at this point, right? So like, let's say as a business, I kind of let my guard down because you know, the world's starting to return to normal. Absolutely. And uh, say everybody come back in, and especially if I force them to come back in, could I be potentially liable if they get sick with coronavirus or anything else? I mean, absolutely and easily. And that's one of the things we didn't talk about, about mandatory vaccinations. I mean, you tell someone they have to get vaccinated and they have a terrible allergic reaction, they're going to sue you for saying that you forced them to get vaccinated. So, you know, setting that piece aside, um, yes, I mean, there's state guidance that evolves constantly. And then there's the federal guidance. But in Oregon, we've been pretty, you know, our state has been pretty locked down. We have no indoor dining at the moment in, you know, the metro area uh, due to numbers. And so, yeah, we've had to be very... I mean, there's a lot of having to reconcile how your business has always operated with uh, what the executive orders say about what you can do. Because if you flaunt those, you know, someone can complain and that puts them in a protected status, even if they have uh, many things wrong with their sort of performance to date. So you do have to be careful. I've handled a number of uh, OSHA sort of complaints that clients have gotten. Um, oftentimes they're about customers, you know, they're pretty good about what their employees do. But if it's a if it's a retail establishment, or a restaurant, you might have a customer who doesn't want to put on a mask or refuses to put yeah. on a mask or comes in without a mask. And how do you deal with those interactions? What do you do? Yeah. Uh, are, are you, uh, do, do you always represent the business when it comes to employment Mostly. law? We do some uh, non-compete, non-solicit work, which is sometimes individual to company or company to company. So, uh, and we'll sometimes represent some C-suite sort of executives in issues, but for the most part, we represent management. Okay. Portland's a pretty small town and you'd have employment conflicts 
uh, conflicts of interest pretty fast if you're representing both sides. Sure. And, and is your focus mostly on your metropolitan area or a kind of statewide? Yeah. So we're, we view ourselves as regional. I'm, I'm licensed in Oregon and Washington. I probably do 25% of my work in Washington, 75% in Oregon. We have people licensed in California, Massachusetts, a few other states around the country, but mostly we're Oregon, Washington regional firm. Uh, work with organizations from one employee to hundreds or thousands of employees, and also work with a fair range of government entities from the state to the counties to city, local entities. Um, so it's a nice range of clients. Uh, not many sort of international clients, so mostly national or regional clients but a good range of size and type. I gotcha. And how, how do you go about attracting new clients right now? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, and you know, right now, I guess during the pandemic, because <laughs> that's even harder. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm a bar junkie. You know, I've always been involved with either the local bar association or the uh, state bar association. And now I'm very involved with the American Bar Association. Um, I'm on their board of governors and I get to know a lot of people that way. Uh, being a boutique firm that only does labor and employment, uh, one of the nice things about that is, you know, my first referrals came from local sources who were specialists in other areas. So for instance, someone who was a family lawyer uh, might have a case that they wanted to refer where an employment issue came up in it. And what's nice about working at a boutique firm is I don't think I present that same threat of I'm going to steal this client from you entirely. Since they know exactly what the universe is of the types of services I provide, right. uh, when they refer it to me, they know I'm just going to work on those pieces and hand it back. Whereas if they look at a you know corporate firm that does everything, a full service firm, they're going to be worried about referring a client to that type of attorney. So I get a lot of mutual referrals uh, from local referral sources of lawyers who do other types of work. Um, my ABA relationships have, you know, some national connections where, hey, do you know anybody in Portland who does X? I'm sort of someone who's top of mind uh, for some of those conversations. And then, you know, you really hope to build in terms of having your, or my speaking and writing and uh, cases do the work. You know, long term, I hope more and more uh, the referrals come from a business leader who's talking to another business leader and says, oh, I've got this thing going on. And it's like, oh, well, I used Andrew and he really took care of that in a, a great and effective way. I'd recommend him. You know, I've, I've, I get those from time to time. That's not my main source. But in my mind, that's sort of what you build towards is that reputational uh, working for you even when you're not around for the conversation. Yeah, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, referrals are the best source of business, no doubt hands down. Uh, you know, what I found is that uh, it's difficult sometimes to predict when the referrals will come in and yes, turn absolutely. it on, turn it off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you probably don't want to ever turn it off, but it maybe scale back a little bit. But it's one of those things where like you you, you can't predict when it's going to happen. And so obviously you want it when it happens. But we, you know, we certainly here like for our own business, we augment the referrals and, you know, taking care of our clients and whatnot yep. uh, with, with things like advertising, social media. Are you doing any kind of like digital marketing or traditional marketing at all? Yeah, so we do... Uh, we do, I mean, basically anybody who's a client or potential client can get on our sort of email list. And so mm -hmm. we do uh, e-alerts of sort of changes in Oregon and Washington or national law that's relevant. And then we do an annual labor seminar, which is basically a half day, you know, HR, CLE credit type event where a number of our different attorneys, it used to take place at the convention center and we'd get around 750 people and probably have eight attorneys talk for somewhere between 20 to 45 minutes each. Uh, so everyone gets a lot of CLE credit. It was free to 
all attendees and we'd have snacks. But, you know, as an employment lawyer, I feel like I'm in the same category as a family lawyer or a criminal lawyer. No one's ever calling me because everything's going well. You know, something <laughs> went wrong if they have to call me. And so it's like, hey, how you doing? Always feels a little hollow because I know something's not great in their world to feel like they have to call me in the first place. So it's nice to have that contact where we're connecting without an issue pending that might be a headache for them. Gotcha. Yeah. And actually, uh, here's a follow on question. Uh, how much digital marketing, if at all, have you been doing since everything went virtual to get clients? That's a great question because, yeah, you know, there, there was the, the pre-pandemic days with, with a lot of face-to-face -face networking. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and then you start going remote and uh, it kind of like went away. Of course, you can do like remote learning sessions, but it's just it's difficult to, to recreate uh, the networking opportunities online. It's been eye-opening. I mean, it's a great question because... Uh, I'll sell you the, I'll, I'll cut to the punchline, which is we've been surprised that it's actually more profitable for us to do our, you know, monthly breakfast, you know, trainings uh, virtually than they ever were to do in person. Mm. Because in person, we had to pay for a rental space. And uh, usually we were providing breakfast and uh, it was at like a nice location near downtown. And when it's virtual, you can charge less and they're not getting a breakfast. They're not having to go to a hotel space, but uh, they're getting that delivered to them at their desk without potentially having to come into downtown Portland if they're not working downtown. So we've actually gotten pretty amazing attendance to our programs as as we've shifted to all digital for our you know breakfast seminars and trainings and our annual labor seminar we did last year. And we have been partnering a little bit with local HR organizations, the Portland Human Resources Management Association, sort of a target audience for ours since it's all the HR people in the downtown metro area. And so we've been working with them on some programs and that's also been a great place to sort of connect with people we already know, who we haven't talked to in a while or make new connections. There you go. Great. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I hope this has uh, uh, brought some uh, some cheer and joy to the day oh, yes. that started off as uh, a... Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Andrew, if someone wants to get in touch with you, if, if they're looking for an employment law lawyer or, or just want to pick your brain, what's a good place for uh, them to find you? Yeah, our firm's website is B-A-R-R-A-N.com. And my name is A and last name S-C-H-P-A-K at B-A-R-R-A-N.com is my email address. Always happy to answer questions. Fantastic. All right. I will post your URL to your website uh, in the comments so everyone can see that afterwards. Hey, really appreciate your time. And for anyone else who is watching and is interested in spicing up your law firm marketing, take a look at ArrayLaw.com. That is the website of my company, the digital marketing agency named Array Digital. We work with law firms just like yours. All right, Andrew. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great day.